Calvin, Calvin Coolidge was the 30th president of the United States. And he, uh, he had a quote that's really good. He said, there's nothing that, that, that can take the place of persistence. That persistence and determination are all-powerful. No, I, I wouldn't agree. I mean, to me, God is the only thing that's all-powerful. But I, I think that statement, especially about persistence, that nothing in your life is going to be effective, nothing in your life is going to be successful, nothing great is going to happen if you're a quitter. It, it, takes, it takes a desire to persist and to hang in there and to keep hanging in there if you're going to be successful. We're going to be in Luke chapter 18 this morning. Luke chapter 18, and we are closing out our prayer series this morning. And I, I hope it's the sermon that God gave me to give to you, but I think it is. I think it brings these weeks we've studied prayer together because we're going to talk about persisting in prayer, about hanging in there in your prayer life and keeping on, keeping on in your prayer life. And let's begin with this. Prayer is a lifetime commitment. If you're going to be a person who's effective in your praying, you've got to make a choice that prayer is going to be a part of your game for the rest of your life. And Luke 18, 1, this is our memory verse for the month of May. Now, I want to ask you today, how many of you will commit to memorizing this verse with me this month? Very weak, but in the first service, there was literally like three, and that was two of them were staff members and me. It was really disappointing. Remember, memorizing Scripture, all it'll do is help your anxiety, give you strength, give you courage, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't challenge you to do it. But anyway, Luke 18, 1, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Let me walk you through the words of this, this powerful little verse. He says that you should always pray. The word should there means it is a necessity. It, by the nature of things, the way God has designed prayer, it is unavoidable. You have to do this. You should do this in the suggestion. It, it is something you have to do. He said you should always, which means that every, every and at all times, you should pray. The biblical word pray there is an all-inclusive word to praise God, to confess your sins, to thank God, to pray for yourself, and to pray for others. You should always pray and never, means what do you think it means, to never ever give up, which meant to faint or to lose heart or to quit. Jesus was saying, listen, by the design of life, by the design of prayer, you have got to make a choice that you're going to be a person who prays and that you're not going to quit praying. You can't. It's not an option. You have to stay with this. You have to stay at it. The Jewish people in Jesus' day, and a lot of Jewish people and even Muslims have certain times when they pray. Jewish people in Jesus' day prayed at 9 o'clock in the morning. They prayed at noon, and they prayed at 3, which is not, that's a pretty cool thing. I mean, to have certain times you're going to pray. But one of the theories was is we don't want to pray more because we'll weary God. Let me tell you something cool this morning. You aren't ever going to weary God. Isn't that great? Isn't it awesome to think the creator of the universe wants you to pray to him and that he is available for you to pray to him? And you are never, God, look, God has never looked at you and go, man, I wish they'd shut up. He never has. God, and he never will. You are never going to weary God when you pray. That's one of the coolest things ever. And it's the, the necessity of it means this is something you have to keep doing. How many of you last year, at least for one day last year, 
ate right. One day. Some of you didn't. Some of you really are losers. I mean, if you didn't eat one day, you didn't eat right. You've got issues, okay? Sorry, I'm bad. It slipped out of my mouth. Okay, how many of you at least one day in 2015 worked out? One day. Okay, more of you. Some of you still, woo. You're either liars or you're just shy or you're in trouble physically. Okay, can you imagine, can you imagine if I said today, man, in April, on April 10th of this year, I ate well and I worked out. I'm done for the year. You, you're, what you've always thought about me would be uh, affirmed that I'm an idiot, right? I mean, you, you, you can't say, I, okay, in May of 2014, I worked out and, and I ate well for that month. You, you, it's a lifetime commitment, correct? I mean, you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days, you have donut days, you have, you know, non-donut days, whatever. You're going to have days where you work out hard and you're going to have days when the hardest workout you do is pushing, is getting the remote, right? It's getting the remote. And but it's a lifetime commitment. To be healthy, you've got to commit yourself to eating right and to, to exercise. That's the way with prayer. It's a lifetime commitment. You've got to say today that I'm going to make prayer a part of my game for the rest of my life. If you want God to really matter in your life and in your family. Okay? Now, here's the second thing. Why do we keep praying about things? Why do we keep praying about things? Why do we persist? Why do we keep praying about things? I want to give you six reasons. And the first is this, because God tells us to. God tells us to, which is always a good spot, always a good, a good place to start. It says in this passage, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and not give up. Would you say, well, if God knows everything, why do I pray? Because God told you to. Well, if I've already prayed about that, why should I pray about that again? Because God tells you to. Well, I'm repeating myself when I pray. You're going to repeat when you pray. If you're praying about a lot of the same things day in and day out. Listen, this is very important. The Bible does not condemn repetition in prayer. The Bible condemns vain repetition. In in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus condemned people vain repetitions. And what that means is that means you're just just reading a list or you're you're doing a mantra or a chant, you know. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Okay, I said it three times, so that means I'm going to get a hit the next time I get up to bat. No, it doesn't. That, that's a vain repetition. Jesus repeated himself in prayer. Paul repeated himself in prayer. So it's okay to continue to repeat yourself in prayer. You're, you're going to. And, and Jesus says, one reason I want you to pray is just this. Really, we could, we could, this could be the only reason we should need is he tells us to. True story. There's a, a company in Chicago that specializes in sending out the subscriptions to magazines. And they probably sent you stuff. And this one rancher in Iowa got 9,764 renewal mailings about National Geographic from this company. There was some glitch in their computer, 9,764 different mailings came to his house about him uh, renewing his National Geographic subscription. He said, I didn't even have National Geographic. They drove me so crazy, I got in my truck, drove 10 miles to town, and I got a subscription to National Geographic. And listen, God's not saying here, we're going to drive him crazy and he's going to act, but 
God's saying, listen, persistence matters. And one reason we persist in prayer is because God says to. Here's the second reason. God deals with us day by day. God deals with us day by day. How many of you wish you knew how much money you were going to have, how good your kids were going to be, how happy your marriage was going to be 10 years from now? Wouldn't it be great to know, hey, by this December, this, this, and this is going to happen. Everything's going to be great. This is going to be married to. I'll be rich at 25 or 55 or whatever it five is for you. Unfortunately, God deals with us day by day. In, in Matthew 6, 11, Jesus says, give us the ice cream for the rest of the week. No, he says what? Give us today the food we need. Give us today our daily bread, as many of us memorize that in the King James. Give us today our daily bread. In Matthew 6, 34, Jesus is talking about life. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble's enough for today. Plan for the future. Prep for the future. But how Jesus operates with you and me, it, it's day to day. How, how we are, our needs today, whether that's emotional, psychological, physical needs, health needs. We're praying for other people. God deals with us day to day. That's the reason we get up every day and we are praying a lot of times for the same stuff. We persist in prayer. Here's the third reason. We all have an ongoing free and sinful nature. Ongoing means this doesn't change. Free means what you think it means. It means we're, we're free to make choices. Sinful means what it, you think it means too. Is we, we all have a broken nature. In this story, you see a little lady. In verse 2 and 3, it says, There was a judge in a certain city. He said he neither, this Jesus, this guy neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute. In Jesus' day, the widow was the most helpless person in society. Here's how it worked. They didn't have social security. They didn't have welfare. They didn't have different programs. So if a lady died, a widow, she'd probably never worked her whole life. If she doesn't have kids who can take care of her, she is, man, she's, she's in a bad spot. I mean, she has a lot of problems if this can't be remedied. She has some needs, and so she's going to the one person who can help her, and that's the judge. You have needs, friend. You've got issues, and you're going to have issues tomorrow. And if you're lucky enough to be alive two weeks from now, you're going to have issues. And here's the, here's the, listen, this is the hard truth. You can be spot on in your relationship with God today And if you're careless and you're not praying and you're not on top of your game, you can be a mess in two months. You need to continue to pray for yourself because you just need it. You can't pray today, God, help me to diet, help me to read my Bible, help me to pray for the rest of my life, help me to avoid temptation, God, help me to never look or do or say anything wrong I should never do again the rest of my life. Amen. No, it's a day-to-day struggle. You need to keep praying for yourself because you need it. You need it. But here's the fourth thing. We're trying to influence people, influence in a positive way people who also have an ongoing and a free and a sinful nature. 
You see, when, if you're a decent person today, you want to help others. You want to impact others. If you're a Christian, you want to impact people. You, you want to make a difference in their life. And one of the key ways we do that is we pray. And listen, when we're praying for people, we're praying for people who have struggles, who have a free nature, who have a nature they can do right and wrong. In verse 3 and 4, a widow of that city came to this man, this judge repeatedly, give me justice and this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally said to himself, I don't fear God or fear people, and he's going to give in to her in just a moment. The judges in Israel were supposed to be upright people. They were supposed to be guys who feared God and who loved people. This guy obviously was not one of those people. In fact, they said, and there was a time in Israel, maybe this was the time that the judges were so corrupt that a judge in Israel was called a robber judge. They were robber judges. They were corrupt. They could be bought. We don't know the exact scenario, but it may have been that there was people trying to cheat this widow out of her land. And she was trying to do everything she could, dealing with sinful people and even with a sinful helper, to get what she needed, get the aid and the assistance. Listen, this is not, this is not critical of anybody, but you're praying for people. I'm praying for people. People are praying for us who have the ability to make bad choices, who have a propensity to make bad choices. We're praying for people to become Christians, and they're fighting all kinds of things that are trying to keep them from Christ. We're, 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 we're praying for, for people who are Christians to be who they should be in Jesus Christ. And there's all kinds of spiritual battles going on there. And, and, we're, praying, and we're praying for people to make right decisions and to make right choices. And they're being pulled in a hundred different directions. So why do I get up and pray for some of the same people every day, the same things? Because it's ongoing, friend. In, in, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, a guy with a funny name, Epaphras, says he's a member of our church and a servant of Jesus Christ. He sends your greetings. He always prays earnestly. One translation says he's always wrestling. He's always fighting it out in prayer for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. Another translation says that you will stay in the will of God. Listen, you're praying for people, and, and you've seen it, and I've seen it. I've done it, and you've probably done it who make a good decision they break up with somebody they shouldn't be with or they quit a job or they they get junk out of their life that shouldn't be in their life and they're doing great and then two weeks later or two months later they go right back into it you've seen it you've done it I've seen it and I've done it that's why we keep praying because the struggle is going to continue until one of us dies correct that's why we keep doing it, because they're ongoing, struggling, and so are we. Here's a fifth thing, and man, this is, a, this is really a, a deep thing that we can't touch on for just a moment, but there are immense spiritual battles going on in our world today. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, listen to these peculiar verses. Then he said, this is an angel speaking to Daniel, Daniel, don't be afraid. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. Okay, that's great. And I've come to, in answer to your prayer. Wouldn't it be great to know an angel might be coming this week in answer to your prayer? But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, either the devil or a demon, blocked the answer to your prayer. 
Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, two, uh, a demon and an angel fighting it out so the one angel could deliver the prayer. Listen, that is beyond my pay grade and probably yours too. But there's stuff going on, the Bible says, in the unseen world that we're probably glad that we cannot see. But let me tell you, I'll, I'll give you just a touch of this. Someone you love who is not a Christian... The devil is going to spend all of his energy to try to keep that person from coming to Christ. He's trying to keep you that way too if you haven't. After you or they become a Christian, the devil's lost you for eternity, but his goal is going to be to ruin your life, to ruin their life, to ruin your marriage, to get you to to give up on life, to commit suicide. His desire is to wreck you. This is what's going on in the unseen spiritual world that we can't see. That's a reason we keep hammering away. Every time I look at those verses, it's, it's stunning to me to think that we're praying and that the devil is fighting the answers to our prayers. That's one reason we persist. Is because there's spiritual battles going on that we cannot even imagine. Let me give you a last reason here. God's testing uh, our sincerity and our faith. What do I mean by that? You see, some people, they follow Christ for a little while. They get emotional, they get excited, nothing wrong with emotions. But then when the, the new wears off, so they wear off. Either they never really came to Christ or they weren't serious about it. The Bible uses in the New Testament oftentimes the word tempt or test almost simultaneously, but the Lord never tempts us to do sin. James chapter 1 tells us Jesus, God never tempts you, tries to get you to do wrong. That's the devil. But God allows things to come into our life to test us to see how sincere we are. In fact, at the end of this passage, he's going to say, I'm really wanting to test your faith. Listen, some of you stop praying about things. You've given up. You need to jump back in there. God wants to see if you're sincere, if you're real, if you're going to stay the course. One reason we persist in prayer is God is testing our sincerity and our faith. And I want to promise you this. When you pass that test, God will reward you wonderfully. But that's another reason we keep on keeping on in prayer. Now, now let's look at another big question. Is there ever a time to quit praying about something? Is there ever a time when you go, I don't need to lift that up to Jesus anymore? Well, I'm going to give you two absolute no's. When you're praying for your own spiritual and character issues, never stop. You never quit. You're a Christian this morning, and you're praying that you will fall more in love with Jesus. You're praying that your prayer life will be better. You're praying that your study of the Bible will be better. You're praying that your commitment to Jesus, that your character will be better, that you'll be a more loving and kind and honest person. Don't stop doing that. You haven't arrived. Amen? If you're married, ask your spouse when you get home. If you've arrived, you will be humbled and reminded that you haven't. So you never quit praying that you will become and be the person that God wants you to be. Secondly, you never quit praying for other people's spiritual and character issues. You don't. My first church, there was a man in the church. He was a Christian by the time I'd gotten there, but 
He had 32 years of perfect Sunday school attendance. They used to give these little pins, and his pins went all the way down to the ground. 32 years, but about 20 of those, he wasn't even a Christian. And they tell the story about a lady who would call him regularly in the community, and she would tell him, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you to give your life to Jesus. And she kept doing that year after year after year. Was she doing what was right? Absolutely. You, you don't ever stop praying for that family member or friend to come to Jesus. You don't stop praying for that person to be who they should be. You don't stop praying for our church. You don't stop praying for our country. You don't stop praying for your marriage. You don't stop praying for, for your family. You don't stop praying for those things that are right and are of God. You always continue on in them. But here's a, a, a little tricky part. Sometimes there's things you should quit praying about. Times come up, there are things you should quit praying about. Now, what, not those character spiritual issues for yourself or someone else. Not for our country. Not for our city. But there are things that may come up where God's telling you no. We looked last week. Remember, God answers prayers in three ways. Yes, the one we love. Wait, the one we don't really like. And no, the one we hate. God may be saying no to you. Now, how do you know? See, this is where it really is tough. This is where it it takes some spiritual maturity. How do you know when God is saying you need to stop praying? Well, I'll give you two thoughts combined here. You've got to listen to the Holy Spirit, and you've got to have wisdom. You've got to have wisdom. Timothy Keller is a pastor in New York City and a great writer. And Keller talks about when he was a young single man, he fell, what he thought was, in love with this woman. And he believed that she was going to be his future wife. He said for one year he prayed, God, wake her up to how handsome I am, how much she needs me, and bring her into my life. After about 11 months, maybe he realized that something was wrong either with him and God's connection or that God was saying no. He said, I just had to step back. I had to talk to some people. And he said, I finally realized God was telling me she is not the person for you. How do you know if God's saying no? You set aside time. Maybe it's two weeks. Maybe it's a month. And you just ask God, God, is your answer to me on this situation? Is it no? You talk to people who love you and who love Jesus. That's very important. Not just somebody who loves you, but somebody who loves you and loves Jesus. Get their input on it. Guys, here's a hint. If you've asked her out 10 times and she said no 10 times, God may be speaking through her. Correct? Just saying. Because I've heard a lot of guys... God was leading them to this woman, and God wasn't leading that woman to them. I just, it, I'm sure it happens in the women's dorms too, but I, I never lived in a women's dorm. So I guess I could now. I don't know, but it's a different issue. My wife would frown on that, so I probably couldn't. Okay. I've lost my train of thought. Sometimes... And it takes a lot of wisdom and discernment. God may be telling you to let it go. Okay? So 
with wisdom and discernment, seek God and find out his answer. But let's end the sermon and let's end the prayer series with this last question. Does persevering in prayer really matter? Is it going to really matter if you stop praying? Is it going to really matter if you keep on keeping on in your prayer life? In Luke 18, 1, Jesus said, I'm going to tell you a story that you should always pray and never give up. I want to tell you as your pastor, and this is true of every one of your ministers here, we don't believe God is frivolous. We don't believe God gives random commands just because he wants you to stay busy doing something. We believe everything God tells us to do has a purpose and a meaning behind it. And I believe that's certainly true with this story here. In verse 5, I love verse 5. But this woman is driving me crazy. And all the men said, I'm telling you, the men here are sissies if you're a visitor. If I said, and all the women said, they'd, amen, amen. This woman's driving me crazy. I'm going to see she gets justice. She is wearing me out with her constant requests. Literally, it, it, wearing me out can be translated. She's blacking my eye with her persistence. Now, this is probably figuratively, not literally, but he's saying, my goodness, she's driving me crazy. Whatever she wants, I'm going to see that she gets it. In verse 6 through 8, the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this bad judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. Don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people, Christians, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you the truth, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man comes, remember I mentioned this earlier, is he going to find faith and commitment here on this earth? Listen, the Jewish people in Jesus' day, they were oppressed by the Romans. Their religious leaders were corrupt, and obviously some of their judges were corrupt. They wanted justice. They wanted fairness. And Jesus said, if they'll keep on trusting me, living for me, and praying. And this was a Jewish way of teaching. Jesus was using an example. In another story, Jesus said, a dad who is sinful is not going to give his little child a scorpion to eat. He's going to give him a fish. And he said, if a sinful human's going to do that, how much more is your heavenly father going to do stuff for you? And Jesus is saying, here, look, if this crooked judge is going to honor someone who persists in their request, how much more is a wonderful God going to honor your request? I want to tell you, please go home with this this morning. Hanging in there in prayer is going to matter. That man I told you about in my first church in Texas, do you think it mattered? He's dead and in heaven today. Do you think it mattered to him that one woman kept praying for 20 years for him to come to Christ? I tell you, it did matter. Is it going to matter for you to keep praying for your marriage or someone's marriage or for your kids or for that person to be saved or for those people to get their life together or for your church to be what it should be? Everybody, we think that America's going to hell in a handbasket. Let's pray for it. Let's don't quit on it. Let's pray for our city. Let's pray for our state. Let's don't quit. It does matter. It does matter. George Mueller was a Christian leader in England hundreds of years ago, several hundred years ago. George Mueller became a Christian. He took his Bible. He wrote the, the names of his five best friends in his Bible. And he said, I'm going to pray for these guys to come to Christ till I die or they die. One year later, one man was saved. Five years later, the second was saved. Ten years later, number three was saved. Twenty-five years later, number four. 
52 years later, from the start date, George Mueller died. Two months after he died, the last friend was saved, became a Christian. You know, all those dudes are in heaven today. Do you think it mattered to them that their friend kept praying for them? Friend, I tell you, it does matter. It is going to make a difference. You say, well, my family's a train wreck. My kids are a train wreck. My parents are a train wreck. Keep praying for them. That person's never going to come to church. They're never going to come to Jesus. You aren't God. They are not outside of God's love and God's draw. You keep praying for them. You hang in there. Dr. Gaston Foote was the pastor of First Methodist Church in Fort Worth many, many years ago. He tells a story that happened when he was a young boy. He grew up in an era when they didn't have tractors, when they used mules to pull a plow. Can you imagine breaking ground with a mule? I had somebody in the first service come up and ask me, you never did that? Heck, no, I never did that. Well, I look like I'm 80. No, I didn't ever pull a plow or a mule. But I can only imagine that was hard work. But as a kid, he said, I watched Daddy do it, and I thought, I can't wait till I do that. Isn't that how dads trick kids? And some of you young dads need to do this. See, my dad did that. He'd be out mowing the yard smiling, and I was little. I'd go, man, I cannot wait to mow the yard. Then when I'm eight and I get to mow the yard, it's like, this is terrible. (laughs) You got to trick them, dads. Trick them. Smile while you're doing it. So he got to plow his first time, and they go out early in the morning. He's behind that mule, and he's plowing. They go in for lunch. He's dead. Can I stay in? Nope. Some we got to go out and plow. They eat lunch. They go out in their plow, and he said about 3 o'clock, he looked at his daddy. He goes, Daddy, are we done? He goes, Son, we're going to keep plowing till the sun goes down. About 3.30, like a typical worker, he looks at his daddy again. He says, Daddy, are we done? He said, son, we're going to keep plowing until the sun goes down. About 5.15, he looked at his dad, and he said, are we going to go in? And his dad smiled and patted him on the back. He said, son, we're going to keep plowing until the sun goes down. Gaston Foote said years later, he realized that's exactly what God wants you and me to do. God doesn't want you to quit on him. God doesn't want you to quit on doing what's right. God doesn't want you to quit on prayer. God wants you to keep plowing till the sun goes down. And the sun goes down means God takes you on home. So, friend, I want to challenge you. You keep praying. You keep pushing. You keep lifting people up to Jesus until the sun goes down. You keep on keeping on. And I guarantee you, a hundred years from now, when we see each other in heaven, we'll look at each other and we'll say, it absolutely matters. Let's pray. If you're a Christian, I'm going to challenge you pretty strongly in a moment to up your prayer game. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, pray with me today. You're ready to give your life to Christ. Pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I believe, I accept that you're God's son. And that you died and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And when we do, here's what I want to challenge you to do. 
If you just prayed and asked Jesus into your life or you're ready to do that, you've got an opportunity today you may never have again. Come give your life to Christ. When we stand, leave your seat. Come and let one of our ministers help you with that. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church family. You can do it after church. Catch me or one of our ministers. Or when we stand, you can come and join us. We would love for you to. Come and do that today. Christian, where you're standing or at the altar, here's my challenge to every one of you. Make a commitment to God and yourself this morning. You're going to keep praying until the sun goes down. Let's stand. God leads you.